if you haven't heard the warnings to beware the demographic cliff, you are either brand new to working in higher ed or you simply haven't been listening. On today's episode, our guests suggest that while the dangers of the demographic cliff are real, shifting demographics probably aren't having nearly as big an impact on your ability to hit enrollment targets today as direct competition from other institutions in your state and region who are targeting many of the same high schools that you are. Our guests share tips on ways to first find out how your institution is trending relative to competitors in terms of market share, and then to shift your recruiting strategy accordingly. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Office Hours with EAD. My name is Larissa Husick, and I'm a director of research on our Blueprint for Growth team, which investigates the future of the higher ed enrollment landscape. Today, I'm joined by one of my colleagues and enrollment experts, Brian Schuler, to talk about some of the most important trends shaping the enrollment landscape. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Larissa. Glad to be here. So for the past several years, a lot of the conversation in the domestic undergraduate enrollment space has really centered around the idea of demographic shifts, specifically the fact that low birth rates observed during the Great Recession would result in a steep drop in 18-year-olds heading to college beginning around 2025. We saw headlines around this demographic cliffs and institutions across segments, sectors, and regions all seem to be focused on developing an enrollment strategy that would allow them to weather this impending storm. So Brian, let's start here by setting the scene a bit. I'm curious, how have you seen this focus on demographics and the demographic lift play out in institutions enrollment strategy? What have schools really been focused on? Yeah, certainly. It's a great question. And it's one of those challenges that uh, many people are familiar with, the demographic cliff coming, but some of the answers to how you address it can be a little bit challenging. I think intuitively, many of our partners who are in areas where they're maybe already seeing fewer uh, 18, 19-year-old undergraduates or are anticipating declines coming in the future, the intuitive answer is sort of, well, let's look somewhere else perhaps. Uh, And we're hearing a lot of institutions that are saying, well, let's look at some of the states where those projections are more positive. Um, Folks going to and recruiting more in the Southwest or in California, Um, And some of it just, while these are some large states, there's a lot of uh, people there. So hopefully we can get kind of a toehold in some of those markets. So we're hearing a lot of institutions that are, and a lot of our partners saying, that's what they're looking at. They're trying to uh, go somewhere else, essentially, um, and get away from maybe a declining market. Um, In another way, we're also hearing institutions look at different uh, populations to serve. So hearing a lot about institutions that, uh, and I've heard a lot of partners say, well, you know, we're facing demographic decline. uh, And so we're looking at really investing and expanding more in our adult and graduate serving programs. Uh, And this is really common, actually. We did a survey of uh, strategic plans a few years ago, and we found that 75% of university strategic plans listed adult and graduate um, education as big priorities. And you know, for larger institutions, you know, that might make a lot of sense. You know, your uh, research universities, obviously, that's an area where you might expect that to be. But 
one thing that surprised us is that 56% of the smaller private and regional public institutions we work with actually also were looking at adult and graduate ed, areas they really hadn't traditionally been playing in. So we are seeing this, a lot of our partners running in this way. I think broadly, it's leaning away from local undergraduate markets and leaning towards farther flung areas, whether it's different populations or geographically farther flung. That's really interesting. And, and I've definitely heard more than a few institutions, uh, particularly those that in the Northeast, you know, t- look longingly at the map and, and areas like the South and the Southwest uh, for recent high school grads or or look at the growing number of adults without a college degree as, as the, the new frontier in, in enrollment. Um, but actually, some of your recent research has suggested that, that that strategy, chasing demographic growth or brand new markets, is actually not the best way forward. Uh, why is that? Yeah, so I, I think the first uh, point with you know, why you might not want to be leaning away from your local undergraduate markets, even if they are seeing decline, uh, the first point is just that recruiting away from campus is hard. Um, I think we all know this. If you're in enrollment, you know that like, well, if you're going to go to farther states, it's going to be a little more difficult. Um, But one of the things that we've actually found is it's not just a little more difficult. It's a lot more difficult. Um, Recruitment messaging um, and and contacts to prospective students are nine times more cost-effective if they're done within 25 miles of campus compared to beyond 500 miles from a survey of some of the partners we work with. Um, And so it's not just that it's a little bit more difficult to recruit a long ways from campus. It's very, very difficult in some markets. Now, this isn't the case if you're like really, really well known nationally, but very few institutions are lucky to have a name brand that stretches all the way across uh, the country, even some that are very selective. I think the second aspect, though, that I wanted to touch on is a little more of a, this was more of a surprise to me, because one thing that we found as we were researching enrollment is that market share is volatile. And so the amount of students, the the share of students that each institution gets, even from their local markets, can shift quite a bit. And this surprised me, because when I came into this research, I assumed You know, lots of these institutions are leaning away from their local markets due to demographics. And we hear all the time about institutions that have been around for hundreds of years, very steady. You think in your mind, like, this is pretty much, you know, they have everything very steady uh, in terms of their enrollments. I expected that the share of students that they would get from their local areas would be, you know, rock solid, really wouldn't change. If you're the university of, you know, a certain state, you get a big chunk of that state's enrollments and that's not changing. And that's not true. When we looked at the numbers, we found that these shares of the students shifts quite a bit. And that changes how we should think about uh, the strategy there. It's not simply that, well, we're in a declining market. Our share is always going to be 25%. And so, you know, we need to get somewhere else you can change that share and that changes and adds another uh, essentially thing to be looking at when you're adjusting to uh, and looking at your enrollment futures. 
So it sounds like what, what you're saying here is that even in areas that may have uh, a, a stable demographic outlook or stable demographic trends, it's possible and, and perhaps even often the case that institutions still see a lot of volatility uh, in their, their market presence or in their enrollment. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Much more volatility than even I expected for even the institutions that I would have expected are super stable. And for institutions, um, when we're looking at private institutions, uh, particularly the regional privates, even a little bit more volatility in some cases. That's really interesting. And, and you mentioned this idea of, of share and, and market share. And so for, for folks who may be unfamiliar, uh, when you talk about market share uh, within, within a given market, what do you mean by that? Yeah, and that's a good point because it is a little bit uh, of a technical um, more businessy term. And really what we're referring to there is if you consider all of the students who come from a certain area, in most of the analysis we've done, it's been state by state because that's the data that we can work with. But let's say uh, the number of students in Ohio, for example, the total number of students who come from Ohio and go to any university is the market, we might say. And if you're an institution, the percentage of those students who go to your institution um, is your market share. For a lot of institutions, it's pretty small. Uh, we're often talking about, you know, less than 10% from the majority of institutions. In many institutions, you know, maybe less than five or less than 1%. There's a lot of institutions that enroll folks. And so that's sort of the market share is your share of all of the students who come from a certain state. Uh, and that's really what we're talking about when we're looking at how market share is shifting. Got it. And so when we think about these institutions who have seen uh, large shifts in their market share, what are the sort of factors or forces that are driving those shifts? Why might an institution see an increase or a decrease in their market share over time? Yeah, well, that's one of the areas where it can get pretty complicated. But boiling it all down, it's competition. When students are looking at, uh, students are deciding where to go, um, you know, oftentimes it's between two different institutions. And for market share, when we, you know, there's only 100% of the total number of students from a state. So it's a, it is by definition a zero-sum game. And so it's, it's largely competition between two different, you know, or more institutions. We do see a decent amount of the competition that's shaped and changed by uh, external factors, policy changes, how some institutions are reacting to shifts in the market and uh, affecting other institutions. One of the big broader level shifts that we've seen is uh, largely four-year public institutions that have been you know, growing their market share and, and trying to reach out, especially your big state flagships, growing and expanding their market share market share. And that's largely because um, we think because of cuts in public funding, these institutions with fewer public, public funds are now looking to expand their enrollments and expanding their market share to make up for that. So, but it is, it is at the end of the day, a competition game. Got it. And so when, when we think about um, some of the forces shaping, you know, the current enrollment landscape and, and the future, you know, enrollment landscape, obviously we've touched a little bit on demographics already. And, and that's 
dominated the headlines in terms of, of you know, predominant environmental forces, but you also bring uh, the, this idea of market share shifts and competition uh, to, to this conversation as well. So how, how might you rank these or prioritize uh, these two different environmental forces if you were the, the head of an institution's enrollment strategy? Where should they be focusing most of their attention and resources right now? Certainly, yeah. You know, I would say that it's you have to be looking at both, um, both of those factors. They don't, you know, they exist together. One thing that we did is we actually looked at and tried to measure what, whether it was demographics or market share, what the impact of each of those was on average for the individual institution. And so looking at all of the different institutions across the U.S. from 2008 to 2018, and thinking about their, uh, lo- looking at how their enrollment changed and how much of that was explained by demographic shifts and explained by market share. And we actually found that market share explained about two thirds of those shifts. So it's a big factor. Um, certainly though, you have to be still looking at the demographics because that is shaping both the competition in your area. And it's also going to be shaping Uh, how other institutions are going to be thinking about your region. Are more institutions coming in? Maybe they're going to be leaving and and providing a better opportunity for you to compete in your local area. Um, But both play a big role. But I would say you can't have, you can't be visualizing and understanding your institution's enrollment future and the future strategy if you don't have a picture of both. And I think many institutions understand the demographics, but the market share piece is something that is newer and I think an important element for institutions to be tracking, to be looking at, and to be thinking about as they're building their strategy for how they're going to move forward. Absolutely. And and to your point, it sounds like there's an inter- interplay between these two forces and, and how they may interact and, and um, shape a, an institution's en- enrollment outlook. Um, but just to circle back to the point you made, you know, two thirds of enrollment shifts being due to market share is uh, a pretty significant number. And, and to your point, you know, is, is potentially uh, the magnitude that, that most institutions don't realize. And so this to me seems to represent a pretty significant, you know, paradigm shift in terms of, of enrollment strategy. Um, instead of just asking where are the most prospective students, um, you're suggesting that, that institutions instead ask, you know, who are our biggest competitors and, and what are they doing in, in our current markets? Um, what other questions do you think that institutions need to be asking in order to stay on top of, of market share? Yeah, I, the competitor thing is a, is a uh, very important one, um, looking at what competitors are doing. But I think also uh, you don't necessarily need to be looking at other institutions. The more you're focusing on the students and really keeping on top of what students are looking for, how their preferences are changing and shifting, um, being able to adapt to changing student preferences is going to be a fantastic way to make sure that you're getting on top of market share. Because ultimately, it's about being an institution that students want to go to and that students find really attractive and interesting. Um, and I know that you've done some work looking at how student uh, preferences and student interests have shaped uh, or have shifted over the last five or six years, and especially with the pandemic, um, to be more experiential and 
uh, focused more on sort of that immediate experience that they get in an institution and a little less um, or perhaps relatively less on the long-term sort of promise of college. That's been a little more table stakes anymore, if, if I'm maybe representing that accurately. Um, That's right. So, we definitely saw uh, a shift, particularly over the past year in students prioritizing some of those, whether it's short-term experiences or upfront costs uh, when, when making that, that college decision. And so uh, it, it definitely seems like an important input for institutions who want to grow their market share is understanding exactly what their customers, their students are looking for. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. And that really stretches, it, it turns the enrollment question. And, and I think takes enrollment strategy across the entire institution too, because it really requires the entire institution to be building that experience and building that really attractive offering uh, for students. Um, I think a great example uh, that we came across was one institution in um, you know, an area of the US that's already experienced some demographic decline. And they were a smaller private university. And so despite facing this really strong uh, demographic decline over the last decade and one that's projected to continue through the next decade, you know, they've actually been able to see enrollment increases. And that's mainly because they've doubled down on their local market, a place that's, uh, even though there's a lot of things going against them, by focusing on the student populations, the prospects in their area, really thinking about you know, this is an area with a lot of first-generation students, and so re-upping their offerings and their marketing material and how they were reaching out and connecting with these students early, they were able to see increases despite that by expanding their market share and, you know, by catering to the unique needs and really getting, you know, more of a relationship with this area, with these students and their needs. And so um, just one example that we've seen of a lot of institutions that are looking at market share and thinking about that and adjusting their strategy accordingly. Absolutely. And that reminds me of some of the stories we heard, I think, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, when, when everything went virtual, uh, we heard stories from some institutions who were optimistic that, that this move into a remote environment, particularly in the recruiting space, meant that they would be able to reach um, some of these far-flung destinations that perhaps before um, had been too expensive. But I think over the past several months, we, we've seen a little bit of a shift towards what you've just described and as, as institutions come to realize that even when they can technically reach uh, far off places via, via remote recruitment, their, their core opportunities, their, their biggest payoffs are in their local markets where their, their brand has the best recognition, where they can establish relationships with local communities and students. And, and so it seems like what you're suggesting is that moving forward, um, despite you know, increased opportunities to, to expand, uh, you know, institutional reach. Um, the best investment uh, opportunities are really in more local uh, primary markets. Is that right? It is. Yeah. And I think that we would, in most cases, there are some exceptions, but in most cases for institutions, your local market's going to be your best place to be investing and and working to develop those relationships and build your market share, um, you have the advantages there as an institution. Uh, people might know a faculty member uh, from your institution. They've certainly heard of you if they're real local. Um, and it's a lot easier for them to encounter and re recognize the experience and that uh, value that you provide 
um, compared to if you're trying to reach someone who's long ways out of state, uh, who maybe has never heard of you before, as an institution, you have to go from zero to 100 uh, for, those or for those students, those prospects, really, really quickly. And that's just tough to do, especially because there's plenty of other institutions that those prospects have heard about that they maybe know about and are interested in. And so it's a much more challenging game. Um, and, and it's something that I think, you know, a lot of institutions have that benefit. Uh, if, if you are, well, let me adjust for a second. There's the opposite aspect there too. Um, if you're investing all of your uh, resources and time chasing those students who are a long ways away, this is a competitive area. It's a competitive market. There are a lot of institutions working for students and you can certainly lose your local market share. You can lose those local students where you have that advantage. And, you know, to some extent, you could see the worst of both worlds where you put a lot of effort into expanding your reach far flung uh, in far flung areas and ended up with someone coming and eating your lunch at home. So overall, in, I would say the first thing to look at is that local market prioritize there, make sure you're reaching out to prospects, building those relationships, and then only then really start looking at expanding and expanding into some, you know, smaller sort of test markets at first. Once you start building that name brand and the recognition, it's almost as if if you, you're playing a little bit on home field uh, territory, you've already got your name there. You already have students and alumni in an area, and you can start kind of playing that home ground uh, strategy in those areas as well, but starts at home. And I think that it, it, even with some disadvantages in terms of demographic decline, you're still in a much better position to be playing to uh, the local markets first as, a, as your first priority. So you know, we, we found in our research, there's a lot of evidence for, for the success of this strategy, right, of, of, of owning your, your backyard, even amidst uh, challenging demographic uh, trends and, and shifts. Um, and, and while, you know, we focused a lot on competition, on market share during this conversation, uh, as you mentioned earlier, institutions certainly can't and shouldn't ignore demographics. Um, so how should they be thinking about the, the impending demographic shifts going forward. How would you frame that for an institution? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we've talked all this about market share, but and I, I mentioned earlier that you know we still have to be thinking about demographics. And I would say the way that I think about it is not like a roadmap. I think a lot of institutions are focusing on demographic decline too much, like a roadmap. Let's go to you know places that are growing, but instead more like a weather report. Um, you know, the demographic weather helps shape, you know, how you're going to do things and, and gives you an idea of just how challenging the conditions ahead might be. But it's not going to be the end all or be all for your strategy. It just adjusts your strategy a little bit. Um, and I think with those two elements, it lets you know, you know, are we facing, you know, a light rain, perhaps, where we need to adjust our strategy a little bit. We need to invest more in getting students just a little bit, or are we facing a big headwind? Are we facing really something challenging that is going to require us to revamp our institution strategy, to really rethink a lot of the elements of the value proposition and who we're serving as an institution um, to be able to uh, weather the storm, 
uh, essentially. And so for me, I think that's probably a better way to be thinking about the interplay between these two elements. You know, the demographics let you know how tough it's going to be. And I think market share helps you understand uh, the way forward and sort of some of the ways that you have to adjust to those challenges. I love that. I think that's such a great, great analogy. And uh, you, you talked earlier about market share being the number of students that you're able to enroll in a given market or in a given region. Um, and so obviously this is a, a metric that's that's important for enrollment leaders and institutional leaders to, to be keeping track of. But um, you know, in the absence of, of near constant data polls, how, how do you advise or recommend that institutions stay on top of their market share performance and perhaps even the, the, the performance of, of other institutions in their region? Yeah, certainly. Uh, this is something I've been working the past six months on, is providing some resources and, and opportunities for our partners to be able to look at their market share uh, and, and look at some of their competitors' market share. And so we're putting out a tool called the Enrollment Scenario Explorer, um, and that's really going to be available as a facilitated discussion for our partners. So we're, we're looking to get in front of cabinets, talk with university leaders to share with them about how their market share has been looking over the past 10 years, how it's been shifting, um, what their demographic, their uh, a, a demographic projection tailored to their institution, you know, what we're anticipating, and also help them understand, you know, if we shifted our market share in ways that perhaps have happened before or haven't happened before for your institution, you know, what will that do to your projection? How will things move? You know, what are your avenues forward? And so very excited that we're getting close. We're still in the end stages of development, but getting very close to uh, launching the Enrollment Scenario Explorer and being able to provide that to our partners. That's great. And I can share that one of my favorite features of this tool, you know, we call it an Enrollment Scenario Explorer, is the opportunity for institutions to create potential future scenarios, to explore what would happen if they were able to increase or decrease market share within a, a particular market. And, and based on a lot of the research that, that we've done on uh, strategic planning, we know that doing some of that future exploration, that scenario planning is absolutely key to developing a strategy that is agile and, and market aligned. And so it sounds like this tool will not only provide partners with historical information and trends, but also with that opportunity to envision future scenarios um, and start to chart a course uh, toward being successful in, in a variety of different future states. Absolutely, yeah. That's our hope. And, and I think we're really excited about having these strategic conversations with our partners and being able to, to you know, help engage with them in some of those big challenging discussions uh, and questions that they'll be facing. Definitely. So, so besides tracking market share, you know, keeping abreast of those trends and perhaps future scenarios, what are the other actions that that you recommend that institutions take right away uh, to make sure that their enrollment strategy is is aligned with some of these market realities? Absolutely. I think, you know, we said about reinvesting in the local opportunities. Uh, the the most local students that you have are the ones who are already on campus. We might say. Um, and there's the saying, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And retention is the big element here that every institution 
can put effort into keeping the students that they have um, and, and really investing there. There's a lot of benefit there. And some of the research that we've been doing um, has been showing that you can get big improvements in your institution's uh, revenue situation with uh, retention increases. Um, not to mention that that's just a good thing to be doing, to be helping increase student success. Um, and I even think there'll be benefits there down the line too. You know, in students and prospects are looking at, you know, the, the experience that they're getting on campus. And if you're providing more, you know, support for those students, you can point to examples of students who you've been able to help through, uh, you know, college and become successful. That's only, you know, more credence to that you're an institution students should go to. And so um, I would say for everyone, even those who are facing uh, really challenging demographic situations, you know, after looking at your local markets and, you know, retention is definitely another strategy I would recommend. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you touched on this earlier, um, you know, when it comes down to a market share is at the end of the day, a, a zero sum game, right? So, so not everyone can uh, win within the, the same market. And, and so, you know, you talked earlier about how so many institutions are prioritizing alternative markets, whether that's a, a adult and grad ed or different types of, of credentials, uh, international markets. Um, what do you think are, are the, the, the strategic questions or, or priorities, things that, that institutions should be keeping in mind uh, when they, they think about alternative markets as a uh, you know, source of new enrollments you know, amidst demographic declines or market share declines? What, what do institutions need to keep in mind when they start looking at, at other markets? Mm, like looking at graduate or adult markets? Right. Certainly. These are definitely important markets. Uh, and I think there's, you know, I wouldn't say like uh, abandon the ship or on any of these, but I think there should be a, you know, a weighing of opportunities uh, when you're looking at setting your strategy for who you're serving as an institution and who you're enrolling and where you're putting your, your eggs. I would recommend putting local, you know, in reinvesting in your local markets, you know, even though I think at first and how we talked about earlier, it's a little counterintuitive. Put that in the mix. When you're looking at investing in uh, far-flung markets or, you know, adult uh, serving, you know, serving adult students, uh, graduate students, et cetera, I think oftentimes it's missing in sort of that the choice, the choices that are put on the table is just, you know, working more to enroll more of the local students. So I wouldn't say you know, focus only on, you know, your local markets, because there's a lot of great opportunities and ways that you can serve students in all of these other ways too. But make sure that it's on the table uh, is I think how I would describe it. And I think any conversation about uh, looking at adult, looking at graduate, looking at these other areas should think about the intersecting nature of all of these uh, opportunities, you know, if you have unlimited dollars, do them all. But if you have to make strategic choices, make sure that you're weighing them all together and, you know, making a really, uh, having a good conversation about where you have the best opportunity to succeed as an institution. 
Absolutely. And it sounds like there are some pretty um, important ROI conversations that that need to happen around uh, the, the opportunities presented by new versus existing markets. Um, and, and that will you know, increasingly become important as, as the, the enrollment landscape continues to shift and, and become more volatile. Uh, Brian, I, I know that we could probably talk about uh, enrollment and, and uh, market trends for, for hours, but, but I think we've reached a, a good stopping point. And I just want to circle back to, to one thing that you mentioned here at the end uh, that I think is worth highlighting, and that's that point around retention and, and the importance of student retention, not only as a student success strategy, but as an enrollment strategy. Um, and, and this is something that, that every institution, uh, no matter their demographic scenario or, or their likelihood of growing market share, this is something that every institution can invest in and improve upon. And again, contribute to, to those student success, those enrollment, and those overall institutional goals. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great point to land on and, and a great message to continue to, to reinforce. Uh, Brian, it, it has been great chatting with you. I uh, thank you so much for, for your insights here um, and, and really look forward to, to the launch of the Enrollment Scenario Explorer. Yep. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us this week. And, and we hope to see you back soon uh, for another episode of Office Hours with EAB. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week when we explore why nearly 70% of her funds that were appropriated by the federal government more than a year ago still haven't been spent by colleges and universities. Until next week, thank you for your time.